We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Day More NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts coming at you Sunday night after the Wolves dropped the season finale against the Chicago Bulls by four. The final score was Wolves 120, Bulls 124. On today's show, we're going to talk about that game a little bit, but we'll, we'll also mix in some conversation on the Clippers matchup and also just sort of reflect on the season because we did get the chance to finally ask Finch about the play-in matchup and ask him about just, yeah, reflecting on this season as a whole. And I actually just want to start there by playing for you Chris Finch's answer when asked to reflect on what this regular season has been for him, for his players, and for the Timberwolves organization. Here's Chris Finch. This is 82 games are done. Like, overall, big picture, how do you feel about how this season went? 46 wins you know, a seven seed, depending on the playoff playing, but like just in general, what yeah. this team was able to accomplish. Yeah, I mean, obviously we're really, really excited, you know, 11 games over 500, um, you know, uh, got a big week ahead of us, got a chance to get into the playoffs, which is uh, no one would have predicted at the start of the season, really, except for our guys in the locker room. They talked about it on day one. So credit to them. It's a good first step. You know, this just needs to be the foundation of what we're trying to build. Um, and, uh, you know, Regardless of what happens from here, we've got a lot of things that we learned about ourselves so we can have places we need to go and get better and things we need to do better. So that's the exciting part. I asked Finch at practice on Saturday morning if the this Wolves team reminds him of the Rockets teams he was an assistant for 10 years ago. And, and he brought up that same line when I asked him about the Rockets teams and how they took that first step in his early his early time there building a foundation for what they were going to eventually build in Houston. I mean, if you go back through Finch's history, his first season in Houston, uh, he was on Kevin McHale's staff in that 2011, 2012 season. And that 11, 12, 11, 12 Rockets team went 34 and 32 in that lockout shortened season. And they did not make the playoffs, which is not all that dissimilar to, you know, Finch's first season with this Wolves team when he he took over and the Wolves went 16 and 25 under Finch in a pandemic shortened season last year. But then that next year in Houston, 2012, 2013, the Rockets did take that first step and Finch kind of 
agreed that it's somewhat similar to what the Wolves are doing. And that 12-13 Rockets team, that was the first year that they added James Harden. They also added Patrick Beverly that year. And that Rockets team with Harden and Beverly went 45 and 37, one fewer wins than this Wolves team this year. And that Rockets team went on to play the Oklahoma City Thunder in the 1-8 matchup. They were the eighth seed and they lost to the Thunder in six games, which I mean, results still pending. That's very similar to this Wolves team who went 46 and 36 and will be playing either the Phoenix Suns or the Memphis Grizzlies in the 1-8 or 2-7 matchup in the West, depending if or how they survive this play-in. And if the Wolves do get the eighth seed somehow wind up there, their path will be eerily similar to that 12-13 Rockets team that played OKC in the first round because OKC was coming off of a loss in the finals the season before, which is the exact same thing the Suns are right now, right? Like if the Wolves get the eighth seed and play the Suns, that will also, you know, be the eighth seed going up against the one seed who lost in the finals the year before. And that all tees up this first step concept, right? Of building a foundation that that Finch is trying to duplicate from Houston to here. And in Houston, that first step in 2012, 2013, nine years ago, that did become the foundation of what the Rockets built. The Rockets went on the next season to add Dwight Howard to the mix, and they jumped from being a 45-win team to a 54-win team. The next season, they jumped from the eighth seed up to the four seed, and they kept building from there. The next year, the Rockets went 56 and 26, and they were the two seed in the West. They went eighth seed fourth seed, second seed, and that second seed season, they went all the way to the Western Conference Finals. And I think that's, you know, that's the hopeful chart of the direction this Wolves team is moving in. And that's the foundation and growth pattern Finch is trying to build out here, which is why there is, I think, a sense of hope in the way he speaks about this team, kind of regardless of what the end of this season results in play in playoffs, whatever it might be. Now that said, Finch is a competitor and I think he knows this important first step that they've taken this season will feel stale if they aren't able to get out of this play in matchup. I get I get the sense there's definitely a sense of urgency with with what Finch expects to do because they are trying to take this first step and it's not done yet. Like you got to get to the playoffs to take that first step. And this matchup against the Clippers is something Finch has said his staff has been working on for a while now. And you can you can tell talking to him, he's really had time to think about this matchup and has come to at least some conclusions about how the Wolves are going to approach it. And I thought I thought you could tell that in in Finch's response here to Britt's question, which I also thought sort of tipped his hand as to how the Wolves are going to strategically approach this matchup against the Clippers. How does coaching in a play-in differ from coaching in a playoff series in that it's not necessarily one and done, it's two and done, but you play two one and dones. Yeah. Does that affect the way you strategize? I mean, do you maybe pull something out of your hat that you might not otherwise do in a playoff I think, series? I mean, I think I was actually thinking about this today. I think one of the dangers is you can overreach. You know, you can overreach in a, in a one-off, you know. Um, we're going to, you know, we're going to be prepared. We're going to have a game plan. 
Um, you know, we're going to have obviously adjustments ready, like every coach and every team does. But, um, you know, we want to go out and play our game. Like we want to do the play the game and try to impose ourselves and and not, uh, you know, not make too much of a shift off of what we've done, that, which is, you know, led us to 46 wins or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, I don't, I think it's, it's not about how much, I mean, the level of preparation that goes into these is always pretty much the same. It's the, it's the output that you give to the players. Like, you know, how much bandwidth do they have? Um, you know, we, we try to obviously now we're hyper-focused, so we want to load them up with as much information as we possibly can. Um, and that's really what the playoffs are all about, uh, whether it's play in or playoff you got to really drill down on tendencies and stuff like this. So, um, you know. So let's go through each of those answers separately. In response to Britt's question, I thought it was very telling that Finch said it's important not to overreach in these games and to play your game, which to me signals that we aren't going to see some sort of Clippers-specific rotation adjustment. As, you know, as I've talked about doing a few of these preview pods I think there's a case for going with a different starting lineup in this matchup against the Clippers specifically you know starting Torian Prince over Jared Vanderbilt because of the spacing that that Prince would be able to provide but I think what Finch is kind of getting at there is those ideas are kind of a double-edged sword right like if the Wolves were to change up their starting lineup or significantly alter the way that they've played all year they would kind of be like acting out of character right the Wolves they have created, they have defined an identity for their team. And a big part of that identity, at least of the starting lineup, is shaped by the presence of Patrick Beverly and Jared Vanderbilt. You know, obviously, Malik Beasley and Torian Prince would provide significantly more shooting than those two. But the price you would be paying for buying that spacing in ways, in ways that the cost would be their identity. And I take Finch's response there to mean that maintaining the identity is taking priority over specific matchup advantages, right? I take that to mean we'll probably see a similar rotation, see the, the rotation that we're kind of used to. I mean, I, I think Anth and Cat and Dilo will play, you know, upwards of 40 minutes, but I, I think Finch is going to kind of roll it back out there, what they've been doing kind of all year and, and making adjustments as the game goes on rather than before the game starts. And then I also just wanted to leave that second answer in there because I thought it was interesting how Finch stated that in the playoffs, you know, coaches try to give their players, they kind of force their players to study the opponent a lot more because they do have some more bandwidth. I'm just focused on one opponent right away and they're hyper-focused on that opponent. You know, even if the starting lineup doesn't switch, I think we'll see our most focused game plan approach that we've ever seen from this Wolves team. And, and I think I really think that that should be fascinating to see what buttons Finch decides to push and what buttons he decides not to push. All right, let's mix in a quick break here. And then after the break, we'll focus a little more on this game against the Bulls, specifically looking, highlighting uh, our, our first look at Greg Monroe since he's been re-signed. And we'll also got to talk about Nate Knight, who led the Wolves in scoring tonight in what will be the last game he plays in this season for the Wolves. Back in a second. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, we are back discussing the Wolves' six-point loss to the Chicago Bulls on Sunday night. And I think in this one, the most valuable film we got looking forward to just to take from this game was the play of Greg Monroe, who played in his first game since getting signed on Thursday. Monroe played 18 minutes in this game, had nine points, five assists, and three rebounds while he was on the floor. Uh, but I think what stood out most to me from Monroe's play in this game was his defense. Like they do with Cat, we saw Monroe get all the way up to the level of the screen, guarding out at the perimeter and the high wall concept that we always talk about. And that's that's something we didn't really know Monroe could do. He never did that in his time in Detroit. He was a straight drop big on the Pistons and, you know, to be honest, was a player who got attacked a lot in pick and roll coverage back in the day. But Monroe has slimmed down significantly and he's physically more capable of of playing in this more aggressive scheme. Monroe looked great in the high wall. He's obviously not very quick, but tonight you saw he has good hands to sort of disrupt the penetration of the guard when he presents himself in that high wall. I think Monroe got his hands on three, like three balls when, when the guard was trying to attack in the pick and roll coverage there. And two of them, I, I believe led directly to runouts for, for fast break dunks on the other end. And in ways, the way Monroe plays in that concept reminds me of Nikola Jokic. I mean, we talk all the time about how the Wolves this season have mirrored with Cat what the Nuggets do in coverage with Jokic, right? But the comp 
between Cat and Jokic sort of breaks down outside of the general structure of the scheme. Cat is just significantly more frisky out of the point of attack when he's up in coverage just because he's more athletic. He's got better feet than Jokic. Cat can get out and slide on the perimeter where Jokic, when he's up in coverage, simply tries to you know, disrupt the ball handler with his hands rather than his feet. And that's what that's what Monroe showed tonight. And I think for him to have a good showing in that concept, I think that only makes you more confident about the proposition of putting Monroe on the floor in the play-in game or in an actual playoff series. I mean, if Monroe could exclusively play drop, I mean, maybe he'd still play some, but then there are only certain matchups you could play him in. Now you can make the case that Monroe could play in any matchup. I asked Pinch about that after the game, and he was uh, he was also impressed by what he saw from Craig tonight. Got a first second look at Greg Monroe. Yeah. Um, what what did you what did you see from him tonight? Yeah, he's gonna, he I mean, just to... gives us something that we don't have. You know, like a legit big with size, got pick and roll poise. Um, you know, his passing is really good, and um, you know, you just when the ball's in his hand, you feel pretty comfortable. You know, I thought he was, you know, um, unfortunate there a little bit. You know, you know, got caught in traffic a bunch, but didn't benefit from anything. But he, yeah, he played great. It seems like you don't have to necessarily change up the way you're guarding. He was, he was coming all the way out. Like, like yeah, the, you know, he's pretty comfortable. He's pretty, pretty comfortable being up there. Um, and he's got, you know, he's got good, good feel. You know, it's the hardest thing with like some of these different pick and roll coverages for young guys that don't have the feel for him just yet. I think that's well put. Monroe does appear to have the feel to be able to be playing in these type of games, not only defensively, but as Finch said there, you know, he's a good passer too, which to, to keep comparing Greg Monroe to Nikola Jokic, which sounds dumb, um, but oddly kind of works. Obviously Monroe isn't a Jokic level passer, but he is that archetype of offensive big where you can put him at the elbow and kind of use him as an offensive hub. That's how the Wolves do use him. I mean, Jokic obviously does a lot in addition to that for the Nuggets, but at times, he is similarly used as a hub at the at the top of the key as a as a passer like Monroe is. I mean, Monroe has 16 assists this year for the Wolves in just 81 minutes of play. He's a legit passer and sort of in his own unique way. It was kind of cool to see Monroe out there in the second half next to Nate Knight, who got some extended run at power forward. And you saw a little bit of a high-low action between Monroe and Knight sort of come to fruition. And man... Knight, like Nate Knight led the Wolves in scoring tonight with, with 17 points, tacked on eight rebounds and three assists and just 16 minutes of play. And for that reason, we're going to make Nate Knight tonight's Forgotten Star of the Game presented by Forgotten Star Brewery. Uh, Knight did what he's done all season when he's got the chance to play. It's just be a maniac on the glass, attack the rim, finish hard off the catch, and also, you know, kind of pick up a bunch of fouls. You know, there have been underlying thoughts all season from people who have been watching this team that said, you know, maybe Knight should be getting minutes. And it sounded post-game that Finch sort of concurred with that concept. Here's Finch when asked about Knight's performance after tonight's game. What do you think, just to see Nate Knight do that yeah. the way that he did? I mean, happy to see him be able to put kind of that that stuff out there in, in kind For of sure. his last game. I mean, he's a, you know, I've said all season, he's an NBA player, you know, there have been times maybe we, She'll play them more. Um, you know, we're so, we're so like, uh, kind of, we have a lot of depth at the other end of the lineup. So it forces us, you know, forces Jaden McDaniels down to the four more. Cat obviously plays 36 a night. 
um, you know, Vando. Uh, so we got a lot of guys and Torian and played well. So it's, it's been really hard to find him just like a role, you know, um, but we've been impressed with him all season long and uh, he's always made something happen and love the impact that he has of the physicality and stuff. So Knight will not be eligible to play in the playoffs because he is on a two-way contract. So tonight could be Knight's last game ever as a Wolves player. He'll be a restricted free agent this offseason. So he could be brought back, and I really think he might. I mean, you can tell in that answer from Finch that he's been impressed by what Knight has been able to show this season, both on the floor in games and in, I'm assuming in practice as well. You know, Knight returning next season will ultimately probably come down to what else the Wolves do to their roster this offseason in terms of the front court, you know, both internally and adding externally. Like the Wolves have a decision to make on Nas Reed this summer, who also could be headed to restricted free agency this offseason if the Wolves turn down his player option for next year. You know, if Nas were to sign elsewhere or be traded this offseason, that would likely increase the odds that Knight returns. And then there's also... You know, Greg Monroe, if, if the Wolves decide to bring Monroe back next year and and bring Nas back, then you would assume that all but sort of closes the door on night returning. And then there's also always the possibility the Wolves could go out and trade for a big this summer, maybe someone to start in place of Vanderbilt, or they could sign a big with the middle of exception. They could draft a big. The Wolves are going to have the 18th or 19th pick in this draft. They could presumably find a big there. They also have three second round picks. so. I mean, Nas and Knight, they weren't even second-round picks on drafted players when they entered the league. So there's a lot of factors out there that could limit the likelihood that Knight returns, and that's that's typically how it works with two-way guys. It's kind of one year and done, but sometimes the two-way guys impress you and you don't know, make their case. And, and I think I think Knight himself has, has become a factor in, in how the Wolves are going to decide to don't pursue the front court going forward. He's made a case that he might just be a better option than anything else that they can find on the cheap. So we'll see. If tonight was Nate Knight's swan song as a Timberwolf, it was definitely a good one. So that's why he's tonight's Forgotten Star of the Game. As always, a big thank you to Forgotten Star Brewery, who's a friend of the show. Please go check out Forgotten Star ta- Forgotten Stars Tap Room this spring as the weather. It keeps getting better. Try out some local beer from a place that helps fund this show. All right, let's do some prize picks here. The final prize pick segment of the regular season. We went three and one tonight. I basically just went into my picks trying to guess who would be playing limited minutes in this game. If I thought they'd have limited minutes, I took the under. And if I thought they play their full complement of minutes, I took the over. So on the Wolves side of things, I saw the lines for Patrick Beverly and Jared Vanderbilt and took the unders on their numbers just because I I thought that they wouldn't they wouldn't play beyond the the first half and that that proved to be true for Patrick Beverly that was the under on 10 and a half points and the under on 5 assists Beverly did only play 15 minutes in this game before being ejected so that kept his point total at 5 and his assist total at 4 so we hit both of those and the same thing with Vando I took the under on 7 and a half points for him thinking his minutes would also be limited and they were Bando played just 14 minutes and did not score in this one. So we got that one as well. And then with Chicago, uh, they were resting a lot of their starters. So I thought Javante Green, who killed the Wolves back in February, would get 
a lot of minutes tonight. Green, Green did end up playing 40 minutes in the game, but that was still not enough for him to hit his over that I took on 11 and a half points. Green finished with just eight points on the night. So that was three and one on the night, which brings me to 168, 155, and 10 on the season for these picks. Officially, slightly over 500 for the season. I will keep doing prize picks for the play in and throughout the playoffs, but that is a wrap on the regular season. If you are trying to get into prize picks for the playoffs, Wolves or otherwise, you can still create an account and prize picks will throw you a $100 sign up bonus if you use the promo code DANE when you sign up. That's promo code DANE at prizepicks.com or on the prize picks app. I have no standings update to provide you here at the end of the show. Uh, the Wolves are obviously locked into the seven seed in a play-in matchup against the Clippers. So I'll just take this time to kind of let you know uh, what we got planned for this week for shows. Uh, Britt Robson and I did record a preview of the Clippers matchup on Friday. So go give that a listen if you're looking for Britt's perspective on the matchup. I also did a separate preview of the Clippers matchup with two Clippers writers, kind of getting the yeah, their view of it, which is obviously going to be different than just Britt and I talking to each other. That episode should be up in your feed now if you're listening to this on Monday morning. So again, two very different previews, Britt versus Lucas and Rob, who cover the, the Clippers for 213 Hoops. I'd recommend checking them both out if you do have the time. And then I'll also be recording uh, with Chris Hine, the Star Tribune's Wolves beat writer for the show on Monday afternoon. Uh, Chris wrote an excellent feature on Anthony Edwards that was in the Sunday paper at the Strib. I would recommend checking that piece out online. Chris traveled to Atlanta over the All-Star break to interview many of the influential people in Ant's life when he was growing up in Atlanta. So read that first. It's very good. But Chris is also going to come on the pod to discuss the article, how he sort of put it together and maybe you know drop a few nuggets that he gathered reporting on that story that didn't make the final cut. So lots of Wolves pod pods for you this week in the lead up to the first play in game. And we'll kind of be patient and go from there. If the Wolves do beat the Clippers, I'll be headed to Memphis for that series and we'll start digging in there. And if it's a loss, then we'll need to talk a little bit about the Pelicans and the Spurs in advance of the second play in matchup all to be determined. I just want to say thank you all sincerely for making uh, this podcast a, a portion of your Wolves fan experience. If you didn't listen to these, I wouldn't have a job. I'm very grateful for the opportunity that your passion for this team, I guess, provides me. And, you know, I have and will continue to give uh, everything I got on this Wolves team, this weird, weird Wolves team. I'm I'm having a blast doing this, and I hope you are too following the team. We did it. Another regular season in the bag, but I'm not going anywhere. We're not done. Wolves aren't done. Next up is the Clippers on Tuesday. And one way or the other, I will be back to talk to you after that one. Until then, I'm Dane. Thank you again. Peace out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.